Hello and welcome to the Startups Roundtable. I'd like to start with an acknowledgement of country. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet. Here in Sydney, it's the Gadigal people. We pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging and extend our respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening today. Hello and welcome to the Startups Roundtable. I'm your host, Tony Hackett, and each episode brings us together with people involved with the startup ecosystem. I'm continuing to speak with founders that I spoke with toward the start of this COVID era to see how they are getting on and to learn from their strategy and tactics that have kept them going. Today, we visit with cybersecurity innovator, Cinch Security, and I got to speak with their co-founder, Susie Jones. So let's get started. Susie, it's wonderful to be speaking with you again and it's something like a year ago, and it was a, a different time when we spoke originally. It'd be wonderful to hear what you're up to and how things have progressed and some of your challenges and how you've overcome those challenges over the last year. So yeah, wonderful to be with you today. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to reconnect. So what would you say, let's start with a year ago versus now, what have been maybe one or two of the significant changes around consumer behavior? Let's start there. So you think about the small business market, which is your focus. What have been some fundamental changes and learnings? Yeah, look, it's it's been really it's been a really tough year for small businesses, no matter which industry they're in. If they're in industries like travel and retail, then naturally they've had just the, some of the lowest of the lows, and many of those haven't yet come back yet. There's also been other industries that have now had over twelve months of just never-ending pressure to go faster and go harder. So for small businesses everywhere, it's just been a really, really tough year. In terms of the behaviour that we've seen when it comes to cybersecurity, for all of 2020, it's fair to say that cybersecurity was not top of mind for any any small business. And and it shouldn't have been. When you're, when you're fighting to make sure that your team and your family are healthy and safe, that needs to be your primary goal. Completely understandable. What we did find though is towards the end of last year when most most places across the country started to feel more safe and, and more secure, everybody has come back, well not everybody, but most people have come back from Christmas in 2020 and been like, well, you know what? That year is done. Nothing we can do about it, but it's just time to get on with things. And so we've had un- unprecedented interest in in partnerships. So from industry associations, from insurance brokers, from IT support providers that are all providing trusted advice to small businesses in their relative industries and, and areas of expertise. And they all know that in 2020, we went through five years worth of digital adoption in something like eight weeks, I think is the quote that I heard a couple of weeks ago. And that means with each one of those technologies, there's there's new cyber risk and attacks are just relentless um, in this space. So there's a, a huge opportunity now for us to be able to really apply and, and achieve our mission, which is making it so that small businesses businesses have just as much opportunity to be secure and cyber fit as big business. So we're certainly feeling more optimistic, even if it does sometimes feel like I'm running on a treadmill instead of running forward with my day. Susie, it's interesting when I look at uh, a lot of the information that's come from the government over the last year, the different reports and analysis that they've published in their working groups. One thing that stood out to me, and it made me think about you and your business, and that was the pressure, the demand for the largest organizations to be not responsible, but increased consciousness about their supply chain. That was a a surprise to me, but I don't live in your space 24-7 as you do. 
Could you maybe talk about that a little bit and the implications and how you think about such things? You're spot on. Certainly the the government discussion and pressure on big business to support and nurture small businesses in their supply chain is greater than ever before. It's fair to say if uh, you'd asked me two or three years ago with a crystal ball, when would I have thought that would have come forward? I probably still would have said, oh, you know, in six months time. So it took a little bit longer to come about than what we expected, but it has definitely come out in force post-COVID. What we're finding is those industries where uh, there is significant significant reliance on businesses, no matter what their size is. So you're talking critical infrastructure, you're talking defense, you're talking healthcare, you know, banking and finance, those sorts of industries. There is now an absolute acknowledgement and awareness that it can no longer wait. Whether or not you're a big or a small business, you need to get on top of your cybersecurity. What has been really interesting is the different approaches that various different government uh, bodies and agencies have, have taken to putting that pressure on. So we've been working quite closely in the defence industry to work with some of the defence prime contractors. And that's about actually helping them to gain visibility into their small business supply chain so that they can help with our help, help to actually improve the cybersecurity. So that's not, not about oversight or management. It's about how can we fix this? This is a problem. We're all in this together. How can we fix it? And yet when you look at some of the other industries like those, you know, in the banking and finance, there's been legislation out and available for a couple of years now, which should have placed pressure on improving the supply chain risks of cybersecurity for small businesses for the last couple of years. And it, it, it never had teeth. It, it never really took off the ground. And I'm talking about the Prudential Standard CPS 234. And yet now just this year, we're hearing APRA say, okay, you've had a couple of years now. There haven't been any large scale attacks within the banking industry, but where you are vulnerable is your supply chain. And because you haven't taken the action, now you can expect us to be placing more pressure. So it's very much more of a stick approach rather than a carrot in, in that industry. And then you have everything else in between. You have critical infrastructure, they look like they're going to be going for a, a mix of a carrot and a stick, depending on where you sit in the chain. You have healthcare where everybody knows it's a big issue, but with everything going on in the world, how can you prioritise, how can you balance the prioritisation of cybersecurity versus the health risks right now? And it's it's a tricky balance, but unfortunately, it can lead to, if there's the wrong type of cyber attack, it could actually lead to lives being lost as well. So it, it is just as important. It's just hard to prioritise. Susie, we were just speaking before we pressed record today about health in its broader sense. And you just made me think about the Microsoft acquisition nuance. And all of a sudden, you're capturing the most private information of somebody in a medical environment, just as a use case. And where does the confidence lie there that everything's going to be handled the way we would like it to be handled? So the complexity is just going to increase just to think about health as one. It's interesting when you look at different different industries and the different types of attacks that are more or less prevalent and the different risks that are more or less um, prevalent. So healthcare is one of my prime examples that I use on a regular basis to explain the three primary different types of cyber risks. So you're talking confidentiality risks, which is essentially your data breaches or somebody gaining access to information that they shouldn't have. You're talking about integrity risks, which is not being able to rely on the integrity of data or systems any further, or availability risks, which is 
you think of ransomware, not not being able to access data or systems that you rely on. So they're the three that we talk about called the CIA triad, this very fancy term, but that's, that's what it is. But depending on which industry you are, the C, the I or the A may be more important and, and may be a greater threat to your business. So healthcare is really inter- uh, interesting. So when my health record came out, cybersecurity um, professionals like myself and privacy experts had a lot of concern about the ability for the government to be able to protect that information. And for myself, I had concerns about, you know, the small mum and dad doctor surgeries out there. How are they going to protect the information um, that's in there? But to be honest, that didn't flow through to consumer concern. Most people could see the benefits of, of signing up and getting it. And you know what? If somebody gets my medical records, there's no big deal. So the majority of Australians didn't Australians didn't have a concern with that. Whereas when you're talking healthcare, integrity risk can be huge. If somebody was to gain access to a hospital um, system and start changing changing the blood types on patient records, that can lead to a life or death situation. But a similar kind of attack could actually lead to that outcome. So it's really important to not get caught up in the conversation about data breaches and personal information when your industry, it might actually be something like an integrity risk that you need to be actively checking for and detecting. That's very interesting. It's very sobering the way you've just laid that out. Talking about small business as well, very conscious that it is easier now for somebody to literally start a business as in to go through the mechanics of it. We've seen with one of the major banks in Australia, one of their startups allows you to do that. Those capabilities have been around for some time. I'm wondering what it would need for something like Sin Security to be embedded in that because it's one thing to basically fire up, I now have my own company and what do I need to do? I need to file this, this and this, but security needs to be as front and centre as it is as having your your banking and your finance and your, your tax records sorted out. Are we at a point where we're starting to think about that culturally as starting a business versus all we need to think about as an adult? It's really interesting. It depends on who you ask. So if you think about that person that is has made the decision to start up their own business and they've never done so before. So where do they go? They go to the likes of business.gov.au, you know, those those government sites on how to start a business. And one of the, the fundamental issues that we have been trying to work with government to change the approach for quite some time, and unfortunately we've had limited ability to change the approach, is trying to connect the digital support and digital products and services that are available and advice of, that is available through government channels with the cybersecurity ones. At the moment, I mean, the, the federal government just last last week, two weeks ago, announced a huge digital transformation strategy, which almost entirely com- ignored cybersecurity. So we're investing um, billions of dollars into helping Australian businesses digitize, go online, you know, spread and grow faster, but we are giving them nothing in terms of how to do so safely and securely. And it's it's an incredible shock. Similarly, the, the 2020 cybersecurity strategy that was released towards the end of last year, it was something like a 1.6 from the top of my head billion dollar strategy, which included around about $30 million worth of funding for small business cybersecurity. So our until our government bodies at all levels, whether it be federal, state, local, associated agencies until they recognise that cybersecurity is actually the responsibility of every minister within their portfolio and they really start taking that seriously, it's going to continue to be really, really hard for those business owners that are the future of Australia, that are out there trying to start their business and start it right, it's going to be really hard for them to get the advice because at the moment, the advice put out there is very general. And unless they happen to listen to, to podcasts like this and hear me telling them, please take it seriously and get it right from the start, 
start, it's really hard for them to find companies like Cinch. And I mean, we have we have solutions that start from just $30 a month that can be really affordable to get on top of this stuff. But without government support, it's really hard to get that message across and really hard to shift that cultural thought process on when is the right time to start cybersecurity. The reality is when is now. It makes me think about the, the major banks in particular, in my opinion, They've been very public over the last last few months, more than I'd seen previously, about the small business market being the battlefield for them in a way that makes it sound as though that's their way out of the hole because right now they're struggling on their cost-to-income ratios in the local paper on the weekend, the FIN. There was a table published there. I think it was an, an Ernst Young table that was published, but it showed cost-to-income going up, interest margin going down, and that's not isolated. That's not just in the last half year. So where does the growth come from? And they're all talking about small business. But then how do you come up with non-financial service-based differentiators? And I think what Cinch does is one of those opportunities where you're not just going to go along with the the shiny credit card and here's your checkbook and and here's your logon, but how do we bring additional value that creates stickiness with their business customers? I see these articles and I think about Cinch Security all the time. Getting that change of mindset, that was obviously the challenge. Absolutely. And I mean, we have over the course of our journey as a startup, we've had conversations with all four of the big banks and unfortunately they've gone nowhere. So because you think about it, they are the big four banks, right? Like they are huge Goliath companies. Getting a partnership with them across the line, getting them to understand how within their own business they could position it to their internal stakeholders, let alone to their customers, the the job very quickly becomes too hard for them. And this isn't having a go at them. I, I very much respect everybody that works in those organizations, but they're really hard to move. So in fact, we've actually been in very active conversations with some of the second tier small business um, banks around the country because they are far more agile. They are far more willing to work outside the box to find a solution that just makes sense for their small business customers. And we're quite hopeful that we will have some partnership deals across the line soon with, you know, some of the, the actually what are quite large global banks, but within Australia are second tier small business banks because they're just move faster, they get it, and they're willing to experiment and, and work with us for the for the benefit of their customers. Uh, that's very exciting, Susie. You've actually spoken to a point I was going to ask you about, and that's about growth and how you've viewed or reviewed growth over this last year. You've just given an example. How do you think about it from a strategic planning point of view now versus a year ago? Oh, it depends which month you ask me, Tony. In the middle of the pandemic, many of the discussions that we had had with potential partners and, and corporate customers, I mean, those doors just closed at the beginning of the pandemic, which completely understandable, but they just closed. And so we needed to be quite insular in the way that myself and my team worked. We focused on our product and that meant that we focused for a short time on a direct customer acquisition strategy. What we learned, of course, is that when it comes to services like ours, where we are trying to be a, a whole of business solution for a, a cybersecurity for a small business or cyber fitness as we call it, they don't buy that from Google. <laughs> they don't buy it from a Google search. So that direct customer acquisition strategy was not successful for us. But you know, when it's the only strategy that you can go with at the time, you, you try it and you try it hard. What we've found this year is that since conversations have restarted again, that we are back to working with those trusted partners that small businesses already know and trust. So industry associations, insurance brokers, IT support providers, 
providers, their franchise head offices, as well as those large corporates or government departments that have many small businesses in their supply chain. So we actively have a a new solution around supply chain, which combines our memberships to support small businesses to both demonstrate their security as well as improve it over time, as well as give visibility to the corporates or the government department, whoever it may be, with what the security maturity of their supply chain is at any given time and work collaboratively to to fill the gaps and, and help them out. I love the idea of essentially reclassifying what a customer looks like. The, the problem statement's kind of the same, but just trying to work out who actually cares the most about it. We've found that there's largely four personas, I guess you'd say, of small businesses that are attracted to a business like ours. So there are a small but thriving and growing small businesses that are quite well established, but you know they know that they need to be able to continue to maintain the trust of their customers. They might hold a fair amount of personal information of their customers. And so they're motivated to do the right thing and are being start, starting to be asked questions by their customers. The next one is uh, the growing startup or scale-up business. So any startup or scale-up that is trying to sell to government or corporates, the the biggest struggle they have is getting through procurement. And that is because they need to be able to prove that they are a business, that that they are the real deal. And there's only so many ways you can do that when you don't have a a strong customer base yet. When you've got a really solid product and a strong idea, but really NFI when it comes to any of the other aspects, it can be really, really hard. And so we help them by teaching them what is usually asked within the compliance program for from a security, cybersecurity perspective. We help them to fill those gaps, to improve the go- governance of their business when it comes to their cybersecurity, and then produce bespoke reports that they can use in their RFPs and in their sales discussions. So that's a really big one. And that flows on to the third area, which is those small businesses that work in supply chains of the big corporates and governments, and, and they're now being asked to prove it. You know, we, we've worked with you for a long time. That's no longer enough. I need you to prove it. And so, you know, we can help them in actually demonstrate against cybersecurity standards where they sit. And then the last one, those businesses, particularly over the last 18 months, where they know that they've adopted all of these new technologies, they know that they're now, they and all of their team are working from home on the same networks that have the, you know, Wi-Fi connected Nespresso machine and smart TV. And they know that they've done nothing to to improve the security of their business, despite all of these changes, and it's keeping them up at night. And, you know, they can come to the likes of us, we can tell them with in 10 minutes, what is their biggest problem? And then more importantly, what to do about it? Because there's a lot of resources telling people about the problems when it comes to cybersecurity. There's not a lot that can actually teach you in plain language what to do about it. And I think when you use the term fitness, and I know it's part of your your branding and, and your collateral, there is such a core truth to that because it's not just an event. No, exactly. It's just like how, I mean, I know for myself personally, last year in the middle of lockdown in Melbourne, I couldn't go to the gym. Uh, and then you know what? Melbourne stopped being unlocked and I still am not going to the gym. And I am not as fit as what I was last year when it comes to my physical fitness. But I, my cyber security and my cyber fitness is as strong if, well, actually, Actually, it's significantly stronger than what it was last year because that is something that I maintained right throughout last year. So it's exactly the same principle. You know, when it comes to security, technology changes all the time. There's new updates and patches and there's things that you need to do on a regular basis. And if you don't do them, then you revert to the state that you were in beforehand. So it's absolutely, whilst it is part of our brand, it's it's also an analogy that I think when people think about it, they can understand and, and work with. And Susie, if I could ask you maybe just in closing, if there was somebody who was listening to this conversation, now thinking about taking that step to be a startup, to be a founder or co-founder, what would your advice and guidance be to them in this moment? 
My guidance would be if you're thinking about doing it by yourself, then find your network, find your crew, find the people that you're going to talk to when times get tough because it gets tough and you need to have people with you. If you do have a co-founder, really check to see, is this somebody that I'm going to feel comfortable calling probably easier than I would find calling my husband or my wife or my partner when things go wrong? I know for myself, I'm very fortunate in my business partnership with with Adam, my co-founder. I know that I can call him at any time with anything and he has the same relationship back but I have I've had many peers um, that have started uh, businesses around me with co-founders and those relationships have not lasted and I I am very much a people person I could not do this without him but also without my team and without my friends and family supporting me so make sure that you know who you're going to call when things get really tough because it does get really tough. That's a brilliant answer and a wonderful place for us to wrap up. Susie, it's tremendous checking in with you. I'm glad things are going well. I feel energised after having spoken with you and it'll be great to stay in touch and, and stay tracking the Sense Security progress. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Tony. Thanks for joining me today. It was great to meet with Susie and to hear of the tremendous work that she and the Cinch Security team are doing with and for small business owners. Feedback is always appreciated. Thanks for listening and bye for now.